Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to small cap executives after they put on port news. And today's news is big out of Boost plant-based brands, the trades on the CSC and the SOC symbol VEGI, and for our friends of the US, VGGIF. With us, Jim Pakulis, the CEO and chairman of the company. And here's why I love this company. This is what you got. You need to know. If you've ever thought to yourself, how great would it be if my favorite comfort foods could only be healthier? I've said that a million times. Last time I was having a little bit of popcorn, watching a movie. I said, if only this could be healthier, I'd eat way more. Well, you're going to be happy to meet Boosh because they're an award-winning plant-based comfort food company whose products include, listen, just some of these because they get 24 SKUs, mac and cheese and peas, veggie bolognese with Beyond Meat, shepherd's pie with Beyond Meat, and other uh, what we call heat and delete delicious comfort foods that are multiple award-winning, 100% plant-based, GMO, gluten-free, all those great things. Now, more than just lip service, not just they don't just look pretty, they've expanded to over 400 stores in less than two years, including Safeway, Metro, IGA, Whole Foods, and many other great retailers. They've got a branding and supply partnership with Beyond Meat. Uh, they're distributed by UNFI, one of the largest distributors in North America. And today's press release, Boosh begins U.S. export with 16,000 units. Jim, congratulations. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, George. That was a great intro. Thank you very much. Hey, you're an exciting company intro. It's easy to do. <laughs> Before we get to some the details, because I really want to hear about where these units are going, why they're going there as everybody's going to want to hear about that. How big of a milestone is this first to have your first major export of units, you know, into the U S market? It's huge. It's, it's, it's a huge force. We've been working really hard to get to this point. And if you take a look at the both markets, the Canadian market has about 15,000 grocery stores. The U S market has about 42,000 grocery stores. So uh, to have the infrastructure, to take care of all the paperwork, to be able to export into the U S to actually physically get it going down there uh, and be prepared for when the orders come in, it's, it's just monster force. We're, I'm extremely proud of the, of team Bush and having accomplished this in a relatively short period of time. And as you'd mentioned earlier, we're in 400 stores. I just want for clarity, we were in just 150 stores at the end of 2020. The balance of the stores, you know, 300 plus stores came this year. So we really have the winds at our back. We have a great sales team as part of the press release that you referenced. We talked about TJ and bringing him on, and he has a wealth of experience in sales throughout North America, not just Canada, but in the U.S. So uh, it's it's huge for us. I couldn't be happier. So let's get to some of the details. Uh, first of all, why 16,000 units and where they're going? So from the press release, says you sent samples uh, to your distributor, potentially to some customers. Uh, how did that go? How did the sampling go that got you guys to say, our first shipment should be 16,000 units. Extremely well. Uh, predicated on the store or the chain, there's anywhere from two to four different decision makers uh, before they go ahead and, and, and give us a soft order. And so the 16,000 basically represents soft orders, nothing firm, nothing hard, but it's indicative of what we believe is going to come down. We originally were just going to send down 10,000 units, uh, but then through our broker, he acknowledged that more, more soft orders were coming in and to be on the safe side. So we're shipping 
shipping it down there. We will have some in Texas and some in Washington in preparation. And then obviously, as we start getting those hard orders, we'll then go ahead and continue and fill the pipe with our Boosh products and continually ship them down to, to the States. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because it, it proves that you guys have sent some samples over and this, it almost sends, it almost feels like a yardstick, right? It almost, feel, it almost feels like a barometer yes. of how well the products would be accepted. You haven't, you don't have purchase orders yet. So what do you think the next steps are until you get to purchase orders? Uh, I think uh, it's going to be a relatively short order before I believe those orders will be coming in. The hard, the hard orders will be coming in. Uh, I'd be very surprised if by middle of November, we don't haven't received those. So I'm, I'm confident on that. I also, as we talked last time, had to make sure that the infrastructure, our infrastructure was in place. I don't know if you remember that commercial probably 10 years ago in the Super Bowl when it was uh, uh, a, a new uh, technology, a new website. And I remember. Just, right? Yeah. And it's like- And the dial so kept on going <laughs> higher and higher at the number of sales. They're happy and then they're freaked out because we can't handle this. Exactly. Exactly. That's a simplified version of what goes through my head to make sure we are prepared with our infrastructure and before we go and take these large steps. Yeah, and all uh, and kidding I, aside, people need to know that you can't have a misstep. You can't get an order from George Com Grocery for you know 50,000 units and not deliver because that's a terrible way. So you have to have the infrastructure ready. It's not just shipping over the border, right? Margin of error is about zero. Yeah. We have zero margin of error. You don't you don't take an order from as an example a Costco and uh, and let them know yeah you're going to be running a little late. No, if your your truck's supposed to be there at 4:48 p.m. and you got 32 minutes to unload, that's what you do. And that's so what, what I want to make sure we were prepared for. So uh, and I know I know I know I know you're using Costco as an example because you probably can't tell us yet, but or I don't know if you can. What kinds of end customers are you looking at? Is it anything from small grocery chains to the big mega brands, the big, you know, the big mega box stores or something in between? What's the typical profile of the companies uh, that have received the, the samples? Everything you just mentioned. You know, it's, it's comparable to, to the Canadian marketplace uh, where we first started off with a smaller local, local being in the greater Vancouver area, natural food stores, and then it expanded from there. So we're, uh, the, the spectrum is very large in regards to who we have provided samples to. And you can't get this done without having a solid sales team. And I'm not talking about, oh, we want to give credit to George, a good sales guy. You have to actually have people who can make the calls, get the product in the door to get these samples, you know, looked at, follow up, get the purchase order. So you guys are obviously, you know, have a great sales team. Break that down for us. You've got a, a food broker, right? Uh, which is important. But what I two, what I really, two, 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 two food brokers. Okay. And that's, and that's it, critical. Yeah. But you've also and, got TJ Walsh as your v, new VP sales of North America and I want to ask you this, Jim. He was in one of his previous jobs because he's got an incredible background. He, was, he created merchandising and sales strategy for Walmart, Kroger, Target, Safeway, Loblaws, Savon, Whole Foods. I mean, is Isn't that, that nice? Isn't that, that nice? Yeah. And, and, and I couldn't help but notice to say, well, maybe if TJ's already got great experience, you know, creating merchandise and sales strategies for those kind of companies, are those the kind of companies we can expect you guys to go after? Not they're going to get them all, but maybe some, maybe all. But is that who you guys are going to be going after? Yes. 
it's relationship based. This industry, a lot is it a lot, obviously the quality of your food, the infrastructure we just talked about, but it is also the relationships. TJ brings him uh, a deep wealth of knowledge and relationships, having been in the industry for as long as he has. So yeah, we're, uh, we're going to get aggressive in the States. Um, you've created multiple revenue streams. You're not just you know, organic sales into retail. You've got e-commerce, you've got U.S. retail now, you've got M&A, right? Let's talk about those in terms of how important you see those to your growth. I mean, they're all important to growth, but how would you rank those in terms of, you know, because you've had three great acquisitions, for example, in the past 10 months. How do you rank all those in terms of your growth plan going forward? I don't rank, rank them sequentially. Um, I, I look at them as equals to each other. Uh, the organic growth, we've already chatted about it. By the end of last year, we were in 150 yep. stores. Now we're just shy of 500 stores. That is going very well. The sales team we've just discussed, we got Danny on the East Coast in Canada. We got Cody on the West Coast, just two high quality sales individuals who will be taking their lead now from TJ. We have internal, uh, several internal professionals that are doing the outbound calls, just as you said, the follow-up calls, the introductory calls, the cold calls, et cetera. So we have that dialed in as far as our organic growth. Number two, the acquisitions. I love acquisitions. Connie, the founder, uh, was able to locate these three uh, entities that we acquired. Each of them, we thought we could scale the products and we've tied in now with the introduction uh, that we will be bringing out our shelf stable mac and cheese at the end of November. That is from one of our acquisitions. Uh, so it, it's the synergy is blending in perfectly. Uh, do I think we'll do more acquisitions? Absolutely. I've disclosed this numerous times in press releases. Uh, if anybody has an interest in chatting with us, please reach out to us. Um, we provide an excellent platform, a great uh, uh, infrastructure uh, and, and capital necessary to grow that company once it comes in underneath our portfolio. Then we have uh, uh, U.S. sales, as we just discussed. Our food brokers done a great job in the last couple of months. Of course, a lot of this was all the paperwork that we had to take care of. That's all handled. Now, finally, we're getting the products down to the U.S. Uh, to go ahead and pick up those orders. And then last is e-commerce. Monster. We are How is that on, going, actually? How's the e-commerce going? Because that's more B2C, right? You're going direct to George at his home, B2C, right? You're going direct right to, to Mary at her home. At her home. Yes, uh, it, it's going very well. I can't disclose too much uh, uh, because I haven't, uh, I haven't announced, we haven't announced anything in that arena, but it's going well. We are live in Canada on Shop Veggie, V-E-G-I-I.com, and we will be at the end of November in the U.S. as well. So those four channels. Then I'll introduce something to you that now uh, we also like the food service industry. So I'll be incorporating a fifth revenue stream into Bush, uh, where the food service industry, the schools, the hotels, uh, airports. That's different uh, packaging though, right? Isn't it, Jim? Or is it the same packaging? You're just getting out through a different distribution channel at the end of the day. The former. We will have to, we will have to do some different packaging for that. Uh, so. But uh, we have been fielding a lot of calls, even from pubs, from bars, 
who want to have instead of having the actual right. chicken wings and the burgers for the snacks they want to for the pub food they want to go ahead and have something that's healthier uh, for their customers so they've been reaching out that's to amazing. us for the last year now again getting back to the infrastructure i think we're solid enough where we can go ahead and approach that and in fact we're moving down that aisle so there's our fifth revenue stream that we've created and and you know literally went public in may uh, five months ago so i think i think we're off to a good start I mean, that's tremendous. I didn't even think food service and for everyone home, food service means where you're shipping in bulk to a wholesaler who sends it to restaurants and hotels, you know, big, big bulk sales like that. I didn't think you guys would be ready uh, or, or that the, I didn't know if there'd be demand for that. But that goes that dovetails perfectly to my next question, which was, you know, a lot of people are still thinking is plant based food, plant based foods a fad or is it a long term unstoppable trend? And it seems to me, I mean, I know what my answer is, but. Just that food service answer alone, Jim, tells me that if George's pub chain, you know, he's got 22 pubs across Ontario, uh, wants to have plant-based foods on his menu and reaching out to you, it's on, right? It's on. It's on. I think the tip, uh, the tipping point was when the, the, the large fast food organizations began to offer Beyond Meat uh, or other plant-based foods right. in their menu. Uh, so now you have, you know, McDonald's is negotiating with Beyond Meat. From my understanding, we have Starbucks, Burger King, Carl's Juniors, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, the majors. Bloomberg, as I mentioned to you, I believe on our last chat, they're estimating by 2050 the market valuation of $1.4 trillion in the plant-based industry. Uh, it's, Say it's that the, one more time. By when? Uh, 2050. So by 2050. So less than 30 years from now, we're going to we're going to see this disruptive transformation from the animal protein to plant based protein throughout. And that's the world. Um, and who's driving that? It's the millennials. It's the Gen X. It's the Gen Ys. They are there's three elements. One, they care more about what goes into their body than than my generation certainly did. Sure. Number two, the animal kingdom. Everyone's become very much more aware of the animal kingdom and wanting to protect that. And number three, our very limited resources on planet Earth. With water as an example, you use far less water when you're when you're creating a plant based meal than you would with an animal protein meal. So with those elements. Uh, it's it's easy to see why individuals are going. Now, what are the requirements for the plant-based industry? Taste, right? Variety and price points. And we hit all of those on the mark. In fact, I would argue that our product has less sodium and less sugar than many of the other comparable products in the marketplace. And we even referenced that in the press release a couple of days ago. Uh, so we try to incorporate the healthiest healthiest amount of foods in the products that we are creating for the marketplace. And we're now six frozen, three refrigerated, chili sloppy joe, and a mushroom gravy. And then by, as I mentioned, by end of November, we'll have shelf stable with our with our mac and cheese. So I want I want everyone to just throw a boosh into their into their grocery cart as they're going through the grocery store. And the great thing for investors, guys, I'm talking to everybody at home now is your due diligence as simple as show up to any of the, you know, show up to some of the uh, names that we mentioned at the top, you know, some of those big names and go there and grab a veggie bolognese, go there and grab a mac and cheese with peas and, and see for yourself what it tastes like. Cause if you like it, that means most people are going to like it and you got a win on your hands and look, the numbers have already proven it. 
I don't, I think we're past that stage, right? Cause you, like you said, you got from 150 stores at the beginning of the year to almost 500 now. Right? right. So there's, there's no doubt about it. Jim, where do you see Boosh uh, long-term? I mean, long-term hell in this industry, it's moving so fast, three, three to five years. Where do you realistically see Boosh in terms of distribution and the kind of uh, penetration you've made into multiple verticals? Well, we've gone from six SKUs to 24 SKUs in less than 10 months. So we're, we're certainly on the fast track. Uh, I like to compare the plant-based industry to the cannabis industry for the fact that the cannabis industry uh, embryonic stage was 214, 215 in, in North America. And then it went through exponential growth. I would say there was six to 800 publicly traded companies that were in the cannabis space, either as a primary or a secondary, or even a tertiary service provider of some sort. And fast forward from 215 to now, six years later, you probably have between five to 10 unicorns, five to 10 billion or multi-billion dollar cannabis companies, but it's a very small percentage of what had actually started in the cannabis industry. Why do I say this? Because I believe the plant-based industry is going to dwarf the cannabis industry. So what would I like? I'd like to be standing in five years as, as one of the largest uh, players, uh, organizations in the plant-based industry. That's my goal. And I got to tell you, the one, look, a lot of companies have strengths, plant-based foods companies because it is burgeoning right now and a lot of a lot of companies make a lot of noise but i just love the fact that you you guys are specifically focusing on the comfort foods side of things something that a lot of people you know i think a lot a lot of companies go after already existing healthy products make them healthier you guys go after something nobody really thought about before and saying hey george uh i mean you're you're you know hopefully you're gonna be you get you said at the top of this you might get your first order by middle of november in the u.s just in time for Thanksgiving, because look, yeah, we all right. sit there, we pick out, we eat, and we feel like we feel like a hell, and we do it every <laughs> single holiday, right? This is this is major. So, do you think that's a big competitive advantage that you're not just competing on basic meats and just the same categories, but you've gone after comfort foods because I don't see anybody else there. I, absolutely. That's 100% accurate. And we're not trying to convert people to be vegetarians or, or vegans. I'm not, but we're flexitarians. It's nice to have this as a compliment on your plate, whether it's the cheeses or the pâtés uh, or the mushroom, the mushroom gravy can be poured over your chicken. No problem. But it's, it's wonderful to have this uh, healthy uh, benefit from eating our foods. And as far as the, the heat and eat, uh, it, we go after the marketplace and where the family's extremely busy. Mom and dad have been working. The kids coming back from school. Everyone's hungry at six o'clock and they, that the parents want the kids to have something nutritional, but they don't have time. As an example, at my and house, junk food so often comes into it. Like let's, let's yeah. pick up a quick pizza. Let's or, pick up a quick crappy frozen food thing. And it's yeah. never an ideal. You're just kind of scrambling for the, the least worst thing. The least worst thing or on the other side of the spectrum you got to spend an hour chopping the veggies and then cooking i mean we at my house we have uh, periodically it's called purple carrot that's, that's shipped to the house and it's you know it's at least an hour to prepare everything it's vegetarian but it's it's a pain in the neck <laughs> to, to have to spend that much time so uh boosh satisfies a lot of the demands that we as consumers yeah. need today on busy yeah. schedules and you don't got to convince your kids yeah. about 
Hey, uh, please just eat your spinach. I'm begging you because I can't just keep giving you hot dogs right here. It's a case of you want mac and cheese? Here it is. You know, you want shepherd's pie? Here it is. And all the skew. I mean, I'm just talking about a couple of them that I've picked out. So I think it's a winning category. I see it as a big winner because as a parent, you know your kids are eating something healthy, right? And uh, and as kids, you don't realize it, but eating something healthy and fun, and you and you're not giving up anything. So it's uh, it's like, mom, where's the boosh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Last question for you. We've covered it before, but I think it's worth it because uh, a lot of times in the small cap industry, you've got great companies and you've got and you got great things happening on, but their capital structure is sometimes horrible and and not because they mean to, but they've had to, or they're just forced into terrible capitalization. So let's talk about your cap table, the number of investors, insider ownership, and how the tight control that you guys have over that. Absolutely. I think any, any of your viewers or listeners should be looking at a variety of different elements before they invest in a company. One, the infrastructure, is it there? Yes. With Boosh. Management, is it there? Yes. Connie is seasoned in the food industry. Ali Samai, 20 plus years in the food industry. Myself, over a dozen years in, in the small merging pub co arena. Uh, TJ now in the sales. So we have the infrastructure. Uh, number three, what is the product unique? Is it differentiating in the marketplace? Yes. Boosh differentiates itself in the marketplace in the growing, fast growing plant-based industry. And next, the cap structure. Why is cap structure so important? Here's why. You don't want a company to be dilutive. You are investing in a company with your hard-earned money, and you don't want that company to be so dilutive that uh, the the value of your dollar decreases each time the company does a capital raise, or it's already very dilutive when you invest. Such dilutive means a company that has a lot of shares outstanding. Many companies, I'd say 99% of my peers and competitors have between 50 to 200 million shares outstanding. That is somewhat dilutive. What are the consequences to that? The consequences is that, let's say if a company has 150 million shares outstanding, they need to go raise more money. They have to issue more shares and it just keeps on uh, diluting the value of the share that you invested in. Conversely, at the other end of the spectrum, we only have 17 million shares outstanding. We went public with just under 16 million. We have 17 million shares outstanding and we did a small pre-IPO financing in the IPO. In both of those situations, we attached a $1 warrant. What does that mean? That means that theoretically, once the stock is above a dollar, uh, individuals want to exercise their $1 warrant. And we've seen that already taking place within Boosh. So we have do have capital that's just organically coming in from these $1 warrants. Uh, so it's it's non-dilutive. Uh, we have our own t- internal mechanism. There's about $10 million worth of $1 warrants that are out there. So that will, we, we believe will, will come in subject to the stock price appreciating. Um, then we also have the opportunity to use stock as currency. So if, again, if I had 150, 200 million shares outstanding and I wanna go buy a $5 million revenue company, I'm gonna have to issue them a lot of stock. When I only have 17 million shares, the value of those shares is significantly greater. It's, so it's supply and demand, right? Yep. And so we can use that as currency as long uh, in conjunction with cash when we go out and do acquisitions. And I must have looked at the eight to 10 uh, acquisitions over the last two weeks. We There's so many wonderful companies out there that fit uh, our parameters and our metrics to move forward. So 
when we did our IPO, we only raised about $2.8 million. We had verbal orders of 10 million, but we wanted to be disciplined and patient. If we took that in, we'd be like everybody else. We'd have 20, 30, 40 million shares outstanding right out of the gate. Instead, we took a small dollar amount on the assumption that, that the stock would over time appreciate. Uh, that, you know, I'm not prognosticating anything. I'm not guaranteeing anything. That's just no, but our belief. Your strategy. Your strategy. Uh, that's our strategy. Our strategy is that we're going to bust our tail and move forward and the stock's going to go up. I'm such a believer in it. I don't take a salary. My compensation is 50 cent warrants. So my interests are directly aligned with the shareholders that are investing in the company. Uh, and, and with our IPO, jumping back to that, which again, that was just in May of 20, 2021, oh, five, boy. six months ago, uh, we had over 1,100 shareholders. Why is that important? We believe a stock trades has a balanced trade when you have about 1,000 shareholders. Number two, we took in, we, we were fortunate enough, even though the paperwork was, was uh, uh, a monster amount of paperwork, we took in that many shareholders because we don't want one institution or one hedge fund who are other wealthy getting wealthy. We want everyone to share in the upside with us uh, and, and they become customers. So all of a sudden an investor is going to want to try Boosh when they're at the grocery store. So it's a, it's a double win for us. Uh, so our investor base has continued to grow. Um, our share our share count is still roughly around 17 million. Very very conservative. Our market capitalization, I personally believe, is significantly undervalued based on everything we've just chatted about. It's roughly between 20 to 22, 23 million right now. Closest competitors are around 80 million. So I think there's a huge runway uh, for us as we continue and grow Boosh. Yeah, uh, as you as you start putting out your quarterlies and, and start showing. Yeah, revenue and all that. I think the market's going to start to to really respond to that. But I would, yep. Yeah, but but Jim, congratulations. Because by the way, I wanted to make that point that because of that tight share structure, you guys become a lot more competitive in M and A. If it's between Bush and George Com Plant Based Foods to acquire a Target, chances are the Target's going to say, "I want to go with Bush. Tighter share structure, less share dilution. They got more things under control there." And I'm not just gonna be, I'm not just gonna put my company into a, a diluted position at the end of the day. So it's it even makes you guys stronger than an A side, which make you stronger on the stock side. And then you got that great cycle going there, right? It, it, it's discipline, George. You know, it's discipline. It's taken a lot of years to figure this formula out, but it's discipline with 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 our team. Our team is very disciplined, but that's exactly right. It's an upward, upward, upward spiral when that takes place. All the momentum starts coming on your side when those elements start to click together. Well, look, the the, the numbers don't lie. You start off at the, at the beginning, uh, 100, 150 stores. Now you're close to 500. You've exported your first 16,000 units into the U.S. market. You're adding on a fifth revenue stream with food service. I mean, you guys just hitting on all on all cylinders. And given that we've already said this isn't a fad, this is a this is an unstoppable paradigm shift. Look, I'm a, I'm a meat I'm a meat and potatoes guy, and I like what you said earlier. I'm a flexitarian. I'm not going to leave you know chicken souvlaki and you know lamb on Easter and things like that. But man, it would be great to supplement my meals with plant based foods that taste amazing. And you guys are right there. So congratulations on another big milestone. And it sounds like potentially we're not making any promises, but sometime in November, we're going to have you back with hopefully some more success in the U.S. markets, my friend. I'd love it. I'd love it, George. I love chatting with you.
We do too, Jim. And we're cheering for you. Look, we're shareholders. You. So, you know, yes. we, we believe and we're not touching this for a couple of years. We want to <laughs> let you guys do your thing and really grow. And today was a big day. Congratulations. Thank you. We are working for you. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening to my podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. To Jim Pakoulis, he's CEO and chairman of Boosh, plant-based brands, trades on the CSE under Veggie, V-E-G-I, for friends of the U.S., V-G-G-I-F. For those new to the story, you saw this headline, first export with 16,000 units into the U.S. Here's how you do your due diligence. One, Get to the company's profile on the Gorecom. We've got it all neatly laid out for you to give you a great 1,000-foot overview of the company. And then from there, link over to the company's website, do your deep dive due diligence. Because if you love comfort food, if you believe in the future of plant-based foods and where the growth is and where the growth is going, then Boosh has got to be on your list. I can't tell you what to do, but just don't tell me 12 months from now that we didn't tell you so. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thank you, George. Hey guys, this video is over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and even leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our channel and never missing another great Agoracom small cap video.